Welcome to the Potion Podcast, your raw look at the hospitality industry, brought to you by SHC. What is happening, Post Shifters? Welcome to another episode of the Post Shift Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Um, today, I've got um, Dean Saniels from uh, of Flareco FBA, basically the, a flare god um, fame. Uh, he's based in Indiana now, working for American Beverages. We have a chat about going from small town Canada to um, Florida to Vegas to really building out the flare industry in North America. Um, I give him a lot of credit because he was the guy who, via VHS tape, taught me how to uh, how to flare back home in Australia. So when I finally met him in um, New York in 2007, it was a, a real treat. I got to hang out with some amazing people on that trip. My very first big sort of trip outside of my hometown. So I hope you enjoy this episode, guys. Thanks very much for the uh, support. Hope you're enjoying all the episodes. Um, it, I just had such a blast doing this. Um, yesterday, I did the liquor.com uh, Instagram takeover. So if you want to go check that out, go to liquor.com's Instagram page. Uh, tomorrow I've got Chris Lauder from Proofing Company in China um, for a big episode. So it, I thank you so much for the support and continued listenership and whatnot. So I hope you enjoyed everything, guys. Have a good day. Bye. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey. There's the man. Look at you. Look, see, I wore a jacket just for you. Look, I wore a jacket just for you. I'm not wearing pants. But I, you can't ask for too much. You can't. It's my show. I, I, I've never wore, I've never had anyone ask me to wear a jacket. Well, I just, you know, I've been on a bunch of these Zoom calls, and and then and then I go into Walmart, and you know how people are dressing in Walmart, and then <laughs> I'm getting on Zoom calls, and we're doing these business meetings, and everybody's dressed like they're going to Walmart, and uh, you know, I, I think it's time. I like your audience want to be uh, respected so i'm gonna wear a tie today because i don't get to get dressed up very very often anymore so i saw uh i see the uh, back i'm gonna start live streaming now i'm just working on all the technical stuff all right because <sighs> i live stream to five or four different pa- platforms so what are the four different platforms so facebook um on my personal as well as uh shc um youtube okay. And then uh, Twitter as well. Oh, great. So to be honest, like it's changed my game a lot. Um, a lot. So how so, does it change the game? Just because you're that much more exposed or because you have to change something on your technical side? It's more the fact that I'm doing one piece of really solid content now instead right. of, uh, and then using it multiple times. Why aren't you live streaming? Give me two seconds. It's, there's a glitch in the system. I don't think it's too much of a glitch, but I'm going to... Oh, no, it's not a glitch. It's a glitch on my end. And I'm just going to redo that. And it should come up. I see people are watching already, so that's a good thing. And so, like it, it, The thing is with the podcast... Um, there we go. Uh, edit privacy. I'm going to go public. Done. Done, done. So much technology, so little time. <laughs> right, and it's constantly changing. I don't know how to keep up. Yeah, with I've it. I've self-taught myself all this stuff in the in the last like couple of weeks. It's been lots right. and lots of uh, lots and lots of just learning and tweaking and googling and YouTube videos and just learn, 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 learn. But the thing is, is that with this, um, what it does is it lets me do one really solid piece of content and then. It gets saved onto YouTube. It gets um, 
it downloads everything because it records so I can use that audio for the podcast. And then it just opens up a whole swack load of stuff for blog posts and everything else. So one, piece, one video That's I can turn great. into seven to 10 different pieces of content huh. for six platforms over three days. Well, maybe I need to chat with you about that. <laughs> oh, you know, I sit down to edit some Mad Mixologist videos and they just it is. Your editing's insane though for Mad Mixologist. Like the stuff that you do, like I don't do that. Like I uh, no, and I won't do it anymore. It takes me all day. <laughs> I'm literally like, okay, I'm just gonna trim the start, trim the end, slap some music here, slap some music there, throw a logo up, and we're done. Save it. So it makes life a little bit easier. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm actually, so yeah, I'm looking at how I can, uh, can re- reconfigure what I do online and whatnot. So um, kind of relearning and, and we can, yeah, yeah, I, I think you've got, I think you've got enough footage. You can do some really cool stuff on Instagram and IGTV and stuff like that. Okay. So I think, the thing with, it's not like the old days. Like I, I remember when YouTube first became popular and Facebook became, face became popular, like everybody's face would absorb all that information. Now it's like taking a shotgun and blasting against a barn side and oh, so a, few th- a few pellets get through and they're the ones that stick and then the rest just fall down. Right. Yeah, if you get people for three minutes on, your, on, on a site, that's a long time nowadays, you know? It really is. It's crazy. Yeah. So when I got into by doing videos. I was like, Oh, I'll do these great 10 minute videos. And then like, nobody's paying attention for 10 minutes. So let's kick it off. Cause we've got people watching and whatnot. Um, how about Hello, you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Dean Cerniels. Um, that's about it. Yeah. I've been in this industry for 30 years now. Um, I, yeah, I know I don't look that old, but alcohol is a preservative. Uh, so yeah, I've been, uh, just making drinks and just kind of riding this, this entire hospitality wave and then seeing where it can go. And it's taken me into so many wonderful places and and, then give me so many fantastic opportunities. So and how'd you get into it coming to being on host shift with Sean Sewell? I mean, I've built (laughs) up my career to this day. Oh, you've made it now you're on my show. So you've made it. Um, how, uh, how'd you get in the game? Can you remember how you got in the game? I do, I do, uh, and I don't know if I was in the game at that point, um, but I was pumping gas at a, uh, at a gas station in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, uh, a petrol can, and uh, it was a cold winter. I'd done it for a couple of years. I was still in high school, and a girlfriend at the time said, well, why don't you try bartending? And I took a bartending course, quite literally, uh, I took a bartending course that was in the back of a house that was owned by an ex bartender slash stripper. Oh, okay. And uh, I was, uh, I was 19, I was 18 at the time because we couldn't, cause I wasn't allowed to serve or taste the alcohol. I could serve it, but I wasn't allowed to taste it in Canada. Uh, so I was, I was taking this bartending course before I could even uh, legally drink. So, so you're most notoriously known, I'm, I might jump ahead a little bit here. You're most notoriously known as one of the OG original flare tenders in the world. Um, what got you into flare more than anything, especially in Burlington, Ontario? Um, yeah, I mean, before I take status as the, as the OG, there are uh, many that pre predate me, uh, you know, Jimmy Skeetis and, 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 
and the show tenders guys down in Florida and uh, Michael Bombard and then Mike Tully and stuff. But anyway, um, how did I get started in, in flair, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it was bartending competitions. You know what? I have to confess that, that Tom Cruise, uh, and cocktail came out the same year that I started bartending. Uh, I was 18, 18 at the time and thought, Ooh, how cool is that? And we started throwing bottles around and smashing bottles and making a mess. Of course, there wasn't any practicing or anything. It was just, why can't I do that? Uh, and then it grew from there. And through the nineties, there was some small bartending competitions that would pop up. Uh, I know Mike McLean was, uh, was involved in a number of those in the, in Kitchener Waterloo. And that's how Mike and I met um, doing these, these rinky dink bartending competitions and it just kind of kept growing from there. And then I'd go home and practice bartending, uh, which I hadn't done yet. You know, I, you don't go home to practice bartending. Uh, but that's what I started to do with Flair. So, so yeah, just bartending competition after bartending competition. And then there wasn't any bartending competition. So I started running bartending competitions. And I started what, growing what a little, what little, little group. What's that? What year was this? Um. That was the early 90s. It was the early 90s when I was doing these little competitions. And then I started running in 1996. Uh, my first quest was 1998. Oof, quest, classic. I was a bartender and I was opening up restaurants and then part of the uh, team for a small chain in Ontario. Uh, but I got it because I, I, I packaged up all my courage and went down to, uh, to quest to play with the big boys and, uh, and got it handed to me pretty bad. Small town Burlington. And you know, like, like, how do you, small town. Yeah, how do you, talk, do you like feed? Because I think like literally right. We can't get out. Of the 90s, mid 90s. Word of mouth going around. local, And as far as our word of mouth would spread, um, and the restaurant that I worked at, I worked at a restaurant called Filthy McNasty's. Oh, Jesus. And I posted something on the best for the best bartender in America competition by Patrick Henry. And, uh, and it was in Florida. And I said, you know what? I'm going to that. And I think he put that on the wall just to tease me into it to say, Hey, let's see if, if Dean gets up the courage to do that. Uh, and I did, and I haven't looked back since. So when was your first, like, your first big, did you ever, did you ever, 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 I should ask this question properly. Did you ever have a big, the guy that was, you sort of fell into that organizational side of things? Involved. Um, I, I didn't have any big, big wins. I think I came in 10th at uh, King of the Ring in Las Vegas one year, um, only because Robin Clausen's music messed up in the, in the pre, in the qualifiers. <laughs> uh, that's like a championship, um, but I did fall back into hey, how about be back? Uh, when I went home at request, I got back to all the guys back in, uh, and it was uh, super and 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 uh, Mike McLean and I said, "God, I got a quest," and we took a big group down, and we were loud and obnoxious, waving our Canadian flags and Team Canada, Sean Greco and, and uh, Jamie Cosgriff. So we, we had this big group of people that we went down with. Um, so yeah, it was about supporting the, the the craft and getting more people into it because I was enjoying it so much and, and just loving being behind the bar and entertaining people that I wanted to spread that word. So no big wins for me, but uh, but I was uh, I guess lucky enough to 
uh, climb my way to the top uh, and become noticeable because of some toys that I invented. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of where that went there. You got one. Is that a leader? This now it's a 750, but it's, okay. you can tell how old it is just from the, the yellowing color. <laughs> right. Um, it's yeah. burnt on the tip because I used to do my, I had this. So my, and I know that when we first, was New York Javits Center. I remember, I've got a, I've got a photograph of us somewhere in my stack where I was yeah. a lot skinnier with a massive faux hawk. Um, Still equally as handsome. <laughs> and I fanboyed out pretty much. I was very a little bit in the way I never really got awesome flare tender, but I had to organize a competition and get as many people like Dusty Dennis. was always pretty decent in Sydney. And uh, I live in the States. Like, and then, and the Javits Center, and I fanboyed out hard like I usually do with people that are a kid who never left Australia, and then all of a sudden is in Canada, and all of a sudden is in New York, and right. hanging out with you. I posted last night about um, and to make a reservation. Um, and we, you gave to, um, I think you went to California, like a flare bar that wasn't close to milk and honey. So you gave up your seat of milk and honey. And so you get a cab with right. It was um, television, I think. Um, and I was on a few episodes. I was teaching the girls. I was the flare expert on, uh, <laughs> on that show. It was pretty fun. How do you, how do you feel the industry in flare? Because I know that you're still a big part of it, and you've expanded. Well, you've expanded on different formats now. How do you see the flare industry? Because I'm not as plugged in. It's evolved and changed over the last like ten years. That's a that's a that's a long, long question, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I, this takes me back to standing in a parking lot. Uh, at a uh, at a Jack Astor's, which is another restaurant in Rochester, New York, with Tobin Ellis, back in '99, maybe 2000. It was actually around the same time that the flare bottle came out. Because I have to give credit to Tobin for actually naming the flare bottle the flare bottle. <laughs> uh, we had uh, I'd been on I'd been on uh, email with him just as he was starting up the Flair Bartenders Association and back and forth. And I was wanting to create a fun, fun, crazy name for the Flair Bottle. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just call it a Flair Bottle because that's what it is. So just name it what it is. So I followed his direction. But, uh, but we talked back then about Flair being something that bartenders just naturally do because it's more efficient use of space and time. Uh, behind the bar. So catching a glass behind your back while you're reaching for something else is actually faster to, to be a bartender with these little elements of flair and a little bit of style. Uh, and then flair became this huge thing of these, these massive bartending competitions in Las Vegas and in England and around the world, $10,000 prizes and whatnot. And I, I actually fault the, the flair bottle uh, for some of it because we went from a level of difficulty where it was practical to be behind the bar to juggling and this, this incredible feats of skill that weren't practical behind the bar anymore. And the exhibition flair went to that. Um, 
because we had this Nerf bottle uh, that could drop and break and we didn't have any risk anymore. Um, so fast forward to your question, uh, 10 years ago, well, it was 2008 when the, the crash of 2008 brought down the competitive flare bartending and brought down Flareco as well. Um, because the money just wasn't going in to support that anymore. And, and all the, uh, uh, sponsorship money that, bar, that, uh, bar, or that vodka companies and the spirit companies and then finest call all that, that money that was being poured into the bartenders back then came out of flair and started going into mixology. Um, so flair has really just kind of quiet in the background. I mean, we've got guys like you and, and, and Philip Duff and even Tobin Ellis and all these great guys that came out of the flair world that don't even talk about flair anymore because they're mixologists, right? Uh, they don't do it anymore. And, and it's almost, uh, I even know Tobin Ellis did a, a talk about uh, the F word being the flair word. <laughs> so, but then I watch Instagram now and I'm watching all these, these great bartenders, these great mixologists that are coming out. And I think it's finally taking that corner where flair is becoming a very cool and very acceptable thing behind the bar because it is becoming a more natural progression to creating a cocktail. And there's less people stepping back from the bar and going, hey, look at me, I'm a flair bartender. And then stepping up and making a drink. Yeah, uh, they're incorporating all of it together. And, and that's where I think the beauty of flair bartending truly exists is when you can seamlessly create a, a craft cocktail while doing a little bit of pizzazz and a little bit of style that doesn't take away from the creation of the drink. Has that fallen into the competitions as well more so? Are you seeing that sort of transcendence going into the cocktail, into the, the flair competitions as well? We, we were doing that um, back in the uh, 2000s. We were trying to incorporate that into bartending competitions. You know, you have to use a muddler. You have to press a drink. And mm-hmm. we were trying to work forward. So I, 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 think it's, I think it's there. But I don't know if I can think of a, an actual bartending competition that was just um, make a drink with a little bit of style and pizzazz and some flair without stepping back and juggling bottles. You know what I mean? And correct me if I'm wrong. If there's one out there, I'd love to see it. <laughs> I'd love to see it as well. So if you if you do see it, can you comment on below and I can pass it on to Dean? Because I, I remember we had long conversations um, about FBA rules and stuff like that, about the change towards like a mixology element to the thing, like great flair performance. And then you taste the drink and you're like, yeah, that's not palatable at all. I, I remember we did. You said was doing a lot of great work with that too. I judged a few and, and emceed a few competitions in, um, in uh, Boston in uh, up at the new England bar show. And uh, that was one that we sort of had a, a one cocktail had to be palatable. <laughs> to be actually like drinkable and but that was in the rules that one of the drinks that the bartender on stage makes has to be has to be, like you get extra points for it being palatable <laughs> well i hope we've come a long way since then when was that uh that would have been 2009 <laughs> yeah 2009 2010 i think i went to to um to the new england bar show uh, at Twin Rivers, at Twin Rivers. Okay. So, and we had a flare competition there. It was a massive bar show. We had a mixology cocktail competition on the main stage. And then at night we, we did a, uh, a flare competition. I think there's a, 
a skinny faux hawk photo of me kicking around on that one too. <laughs> Nick, Nick Nimeth just commented and said, hi, gents. Oh, nice. Hello, Nick. One of the well, juniors. Yeah, he's he's come a long great. way. So um, oh, how, has, way. how has your career changed in the last 10 years? Like, how did you end up in Kentucky? Uh, I had, uh, you know, my, my career has, has been 10 years of, uh, of backbreaking, just crashing, making cocktails in, 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 uh, in St. Catharines and in, in, well, Southern Ontario, uh, just behind the bar, cranking out drinks. Um, and then I had about 10 years of Flairco and traveling the world, doing flair bartending competitions and consulting and whatnot. And that led me to a, a very unique opportunity. Uh, I was at a Rob Houston competition in Florida, and Flairco had just started to take a downturn, uh, and, and, and bottle sales were starting to go down. And we also had some internal conflicts, um, and, and Flairco was about to go down uh, or die a, uh, a proper death, I guess. And Bill Hinkybine came along. He might be out there somewhere. Hey, Bill, I'm I'm working today. Um, and uh, and he pulled me aside and said, "Hey, Dean, we're looking for uh, someone to join our organization." He did not intend for me to be that person, uh, but said, "Do you know anybody that can maybe do a little flair, but can talk mixology, can be gregarious, and 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 represent our brand? Do you know anybody?" And I said, "You know, Bill." I'm not sure, but let, let me look around. Let me think about it. Uh, and then three days later, I called him back and said, I want to throw my hat in the ring. Did you actually look around or did you just go, screw it? I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring. Oh, I, I knew my hat was going in the ring and, and I certainly didn't uh, go looking around or tell anybody about it. Uh, Cause I knew it was the opportunity that I needed to take next. Um, I had looked around in Toronto for consulting jobs and that, and that kind of thing. I was with Bulls for a while uh, doing a cocktail program with them, and it was a fantastic program. I left there to pursue Flairco and try to get it get that ship right. And then I wanted to go back, but it just wasn't going to work. So, uh, so yeah, he, 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 I called him up and said, I want to throw my hat in the ring. And he came to, uh, to Niagara Falls, had an interview in my basement, uh, got to pet my dog and meet my family and realized that I was a real human and, uh, and the rest, you know, I packed up my family, packed up a car and, and, and put a, a canoe on the back of the car. And we drove 10 hours across the country to move to, uh, I'm in new, uh, uh, new Albany, Indiana, which is just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. So. Wow. How long have you been in Airfall? 10 years now, 10 years, uh, January wow. past was my 10 uh, year anniversary here at uh, American beverage marketers with finest call Royale and master of mixes, Agalima. Uh, this company has evolved quite a bit itself, but, uh, so what's but, yeah. your role specifically for them? Uh, my title is director of beverage applications. So what I like to say, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we did everything we could to not call me mixologist. That's uh, you know, so we, and, and you see lots of those director of beverage around. So I basically take the product after it's been produced. Uh, I consult with uh, with the team, uh, our marketing, and, and and everyone else involved of what new flavors are coming, and I uh, I help give some direction on what that flavor should be, and then and, and you know how the quality of it, that kind of stuff, and then we'll actually deconstruct my cocktails. So if we're making an old fashioned mix, I make my 
old fashioned. We tweak it to make sure that it's perfect. And then our, our technical department will go and deconstruct uh, my recipe and recreate it uh, down the plant and then put it into a bottle. So then I take that bottle and make it into cocktails. So I'll take our single pressed lime juice and show all the different ways that we can uh, do a cocktail with our single pressed lime juice or, or the agave real, uh, any of the great flavors we have. And then I go out and, and talk about it. I go to um, events like, like in Vegas, the, kind of the conventions, and I hang out at the trade show booths. But I also take uh, invitations from our sales team that works directly with the national accounts. So uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, Hard Rock Cafes, and all those national accounts that are out there. We have a salesperson that works directly with them. And that salesperson will come to me and say, hey, this particular company wants to go in this direction with a cocktail. What do you think? And then I, uh, then I work directly with those restaurants uh, to create cocktails to see if they do or do not want to put them on the menu. So... So, yeah, I'm just making cocktails all day. Wow. And you get to travel a lot too? Yeah, yeah. There's a fair amount of travel in there. Um, quite a lot. Actually, more than I expected when I first moved down. Uh, but it's been fantastic. It's, it's mostly U.S.-based. Uh, just the beginning of this year, I got over to, uh, to London and Amsterdam for the first time. Wow. Yeah. So that was, that was super fantastic. Uh, but it's been all over the United States and, and much of Canada as well. Uh, and then I was in Caribbean as well. I was supposed to be in Hawaii just when this COVID thing broke out. But yeah, is this your basement bar that we're sitting in right now? This is my office. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is uh, actually one portion of my office. Uh, this is where we host uh, groups. That's a, that's a big part of what I do. We uh, well prior to 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 COVID, of course, uh, we would host fifty to eighty groups a year. Uh, from our distributors around the world uh, to our restaurant groups. So the buyer for a restaurant group would come in specifically and hang out at my bar. We'd spend all afternoon making cocktails with our products and the spirits that they have. And, and it would just be a one-on-one with myself and that buyer. And then I'll go home and, and put those cocktails on a menu. So, so this, this room is my, is my office or part of my office. That's a cardboard cutout of one of our guys. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's a big room, and I could That's take gorgeous. you on a tour. I've, I've got a, a kitchen on the other side of here that has all the fridges and my liquor stock, and then I've got another room uh, that's an office, and then a fourth room that I'm trans uh, that I'm changing into a, uh, a video studio uh, with the anticipation of so much new video content that uh, that I think I'm going to be creating. Um, I'm making a little video studio in there. I was hoping to use it today, but it's not quite ready, so. What's well, a good segue? Um, recently, like you've sort of started getting back into the taking back the title of Mad Mixologist, <laughs> and and sort of re-owning the the title that, was, that you've had for years and years and years. Um, what what did you sort of regain back into the videos and stuff? Because you've been doing videos since the late nineties and right. VHS tapes, and what sort of pushed you to get back into it? I, I wanted to explore some some new new territory, and and I've been watching so many people get successful uh, on YouTube, uh, not as a money making thing, but just as as a way of sharing their message. And uh, you know, Tom Dyer is doing a great job, and and, and TV in college uh, before I got ceremonious. Uh, I wanted to try it, and and, and have a taste at it, and take a run at it. Um, 
has it been fulfilling for you? I look at the flare bottle and the flare videos and all that stuff. And, and people still recognize me today as, Oh yeah, you're the flare bottle guy. <laughs> but I feel like of the, uh, the football team, you know, and, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, you know, uh, but I wanted something new to say, Hey, I, I, I've got more things to, to share uh, with a, a wider range of, of audience than, uh, than just uh, some salespeople and, and, mm-hmm. and buyers at restaurants and in groups that come in here, which is really fun. And I love entertaining them. But I think there's a, wide, a group of people out there uh, that want to learn how to entertain from the bar. And, and that's where I saw that there was a, an opening. There's so many mixology videos and so many uh, flair guys out there, but I don't see a lot of bar, uh, bar magic, uh, copyright. Mm-hmm. Just the terminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'll get my uh, 401k when all this is over. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have so much fun entertaining people from behind the bar. I make a great. I make a great uh, I think his name was Dean. We got to go back to see him. And I, I built my I built my career when I was bartending back in the uh, uh, '90s and 2000s on being memorable and having people come back to the bar to see me. They weren't coming back just because it was wing night or, or two dollar drink night. And yes, that did happen back in the day. Um, they came back because they knew that I would entertain them and take care of them. So that's how I built my own clientele as a bartender. So when I moved from bar to bar, just like a, a hairstylist would, they take their clientele with them and, and my clientele would follow me uh, and be entertained by what I do. So, so that's what I wanted to do with the videos is create something more entertaining and, and try to show all the sides of me. I've, you know, there's mixology and flair and magic and then I'm meeting all the great people. So I'm trying to interview like you are once a month. And then show mixology and show mixology tricks and, you know, just some of the crazier things that we could do. So super long answer. The long answers are good. With, right. with entertaining, like something that's very new. Is that why you got into the, the whole circus, magic, trapeze? And I think your family is involved in it. Yeah, my entire family is involved in it. Um, it's, it's this local circus program called Turner Circus. And when we moved to, uh, to Indiana, I saw a post on Groupon, I think it was, and they said trapeze lessons for 10 bucks or whatever. And I thought this would be a fun thing to take my family to. And we took them to this one day class. And, uh, and I thought this is a really neat thing. And of course, I'm a juggler. I've always been a, a juggler behind the bar, fire eating and, and flipping bottles and and I've always done magic behind the bar as well. I used to actually be a professional magician. I used to work three or four nights a week just doing close-up magic at different restaurants. Um, so I've always had my hand in entertaining people. So I took the family and they kind of enjoyed it. And then we watched the first show that uh, this group does a, a big um, circus presentation every March. And there's two or 300 people involved, well, 200 people involved in it. And I just kind of fell in love with it and said, this is really crazy. It's so different. And they encourage you to eat fire and they're teaching other moms and dads how to eat fire and how to juggle knives and, and, 
and do trapeze and, and whatnot. My, uh, my girlfriend, Allison, is actually a coach now. Uh, she coaches the, uh, the trapeze act. And my daughter, Megan, is, uh, she's a superstar there. Uh, she spent the last 10 years, instead of learning gymnastics or something, how to, to entertain on a silk like Cirque du Soleil. She's been to uh, California to study, and, oh, and wow. she's really, really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, we got her involved in a couple of things last summer that uh, that were really great for her and, and her career. She got to live in California for a month. So, is is her goal as a as a career wise gain to this, staying as this, or is this going to still stay as a sort of a hobby side hustle that looks really great on resumes and whatnot? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, she she would like to, but uh, after she came back from California, she realized that that. The people in Cirque du Soleil, uh, as beautiful and graceful they are, they are athletes that practice and and work out every single day. And then their job is to work out and stay in shape for the five minutes of stage time. You know, they're spending the rest eight hours of the day eating right and doing sit-ups and crunches and whatnot. uh, And far more, of course. Uh, so she realized then that it's probably not a career a goal for her to get on stage, but she does want to use it, uh, in her career. She's, she's looking to, uh, to get into, um, medical fitness and, and working with people to, to do stretching and to stay in shape. And, and she wants to use that for that. So what's yeah, your plan for the rest of the Tumbles and whatnot. I wanted to mention my son and his girlfriend too. They eat fire, and <laughs> my daughter's girlfriend eats fire as well. So she's in it. Everybody's involved in it. So, yeah, everybody eats fire. It just <laughs> yeah. must be a fantastic Thanksgiving. Just must be a really <laughs> great, exciting Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> so, what do you want to eat tonight? I don't know. You want a Netflix or go outside and eat fire? <laughs> no. Uh, um, yeah, so, and I are juggling fire in the backyard, and the neighbors are now coming out to watch us perform in the backyard. So, wow, it's wow. something. It's you know, everybody needs something to to focus on and practice that gets you outside of your mindset to to relax your brain on your regular day to day. Are you practicing so, even more now with all the time on your hand? No, I'm I'm figuring out how to edit. I'm I'm figuring out how to work. Final Cut Pro 10 and, and and doing that kind of thing. So it's so busy. I feel busier now because, uh, you know, work for me, work, I, I still come into the office every day, but my, my directions have changed. And now we're planning for what we're going to do when COVID is over. And there's going to be a mad rush back into the bars and, and, and a big change in the bars. Uh, what's going to happen uh, after COVID with freshly squeezed and, and craft cocktails. And, and, you know, I had a conversation with a guy today, um, one of my sales guys who said that lime garnish on the glass is going to be uh, gone. Like we can't even garnish cocktails anymore. So yeah. I'm trying to figure out how that's going to impact what we do. Um, yeah. So. I've, I've had a lot of conversations about lower touch cocktails, batches and, and bottled and stuff like that stuff that has less touches you can't have a 14 touch cocktail anymore post right um 
Well, like I said, there's a lot of video work that I'm doing right now. I am going to pursue uh, more YouTube uh, with Mad Mixologist. I think I am going to actually step away from Mad Mixologist and rebrand just Dean Cerniels. Give me a heads up on that. As much as much fun as Mad Mixologist is, um, just being Dean Cerniels, more people recognize that name yeah. than Mad Mixologist chasing that around. But anyway... I do want to continue um, inspiring people to entertain from behind the bar. I do think that that could be something super important in the new, uh, in the post COVID world to keep people coming into the bar. If there is even bartenders um, and, and our company finest call and, and real we've been creating uh, great cocktail mixes with single press lemon juice and single press lime juice to help, reduce the touches long before COVID and, uh, and help people get uh, high quality ingredients into a cocktail without having to farm it themselves and, uh, and bracing ourselves for uh, a new community of people that we all have them with, uh, with our high quality juices and syrups and whatnot. So, so I think I'm going to be super busy. <laughs> well, I also think that the middle, the middle market, not necessarily the upper echelon or the, the lower market is where the fat is. And that's what's going to be continuing relatively strong, your franchises and the brands that you guys already work with heavily. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's going to go deeper. Like everybody's, it's going to, it's going to be weird. I'm, I've talked to a few uh, people who are doing um, drink, not legislation, but drink systems. Right. Going forward here in BC. And I'm very curious about like open containers, like glasses of wine and beer, put tap beer instead of bottle beer opened at the, at the table sort of thing, you know, like pint of beer being taken 20, 30 feet to the table in an open container compared to uh, something that's closed off. So yeah. like, wow. yeah, just weird. All these nuances, you know, that we don't even, haven't even thought through all of that. I mean, I know there are a lot of people out there thinking that through, um, so much is going to have to change. And, uh, and I'm kind of glad they're opening at 25% or 50% at a time. Um, because we got to figure out how to do it again, you know? And you're right next door to Kentucky too, which doesn't really help. (laughs) We've got a lot of bourbon to help, uh, to help wash it down. So uh, you've had, uh, so comments on Facebook, you've had, uh, Steve Schneider say, uh, howdy. And, uh, he's a, he's a circus boy. He is Uh, actually, which, which Steve Snyder, uh, I do have a Steve Snyder friend that's in circus, but there's a Steve Snyder employees only Steve Snyder. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. To, I'm well, he, honored that you're out here. He was a, he was a big one uh, with Dorio, like trying to, to bridge the gap between mixology and flair. Like right. uh, yes. yeah, they did a lot of work there. And uh, Mr. Duff even made an appearance. Mr. Duff has made an appearance. Yeah. He says, you're Dane. Duff. Reluctantly, I have to top my hat to him. Thank you. <laughs> I did a live stream really with him. into this mixology thing um, years ago with Bulls. It was stuff that, that, that showed me how to create a cocktail properly. Uh, Ten hours a day with, uh, with him and Grant Real um, from BC. And, uh, yeah, ten hours a day at Duff pounding mixology into my brain. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a tough man to uh, oh he's a tough man to work with because he is such a perfectionist and he just right. really just pulls the best out of you. Right, right. But if Sean Finter can say that I'm nuts, he's got to have something to say about. <laughs> <laughs> so last, pe- last piece of advice before I let you go um, for 
someone that I think it's difficult in this day and age because the internet for someone who is a, a bartender or a flair turner mixologist, whatever in small city, Canada, in small town, Canada, how, what's your best piece of advice to give to them to, to make the leap out, probably out of their comfort zone and to right. push themselves to, towards what they want to do? Because you're one of the original like drinks entrepreneurs with Flairco and you, right. you've done a, a ton that is super reflective for people getting into the industry, people who run businesses in the industry, taking that next step to be a, a drinks consultant for a big brand. Um, what's your piece of advice for a young bartender who's looking to make the, the change up and the switch up? Right. Well, first off, I am incredibly honored when I hear uh, stories of, of guys like yourself and, and so many other people that say, hey, you know what? I got started because of Dean back in the day. I, I'm just so humbled by that. And, uh, and I thank you. Uh, and it just blows me away that I had that much impact when I was just kind of chasing my own craziness. Uh, and that's the advice that I give to a to young bartender out there who, who wants to make a name of himself or, or do something more. Uh, don't chase the name for yourself, but chase the doing something that that makes people notice that you're out there and don't be afraid. Uh, if you want to throw a bottle and catch it behind your back, yes, the other people in the bar are going to say, oh, you can't do that because you're making some of them look bad. Um, and, and try new things and don't be afraid to ruffle feathers a little bit and, and keep just keep working on, on different things and have many, many mentors. Um, follow your career and find out what you've been doing. And then, and then Steve Schneider and then, you know, follow so many different people and then take a little bit from everybody to create what it is that you want to be. Um, I don't know if I can be more articulate about that. You know, because that's, that's really what I did. I just started going and I started flipping bottles and people were like, what the hell are you doing? Get out of my way. And I'm like, I'm flipping bottles. <laughs> and just kind of one door after another opened. And as long as you walk through those doors that open, they will continue to open. Uh, but if you don't walk through those doors, then then no more. Well, I mean. They're not going to continue to open. There won't be a corridor if you don't keep walking through those doors and trying new things. You know, when they came to me and said, hey, we want you to move to Kentucky. I'm like, ah, what the hell am I going to do? How do I be a consultant for 200 restaurant chains? And I just packed up my stuff and said, I'll go figure it out when I get there. Um, so that would be my advice to a bartender that wants to get into it. Just try many new things and, and don't give up on it and taste all your drinks and make sure they're delicious before they cross the bar <laughs> or perfect your recipes anyway. I want to thank you for your time, man. Um, you've always been a, a massive hero and mentor of mine. So having an opportunity to sort of like get to the bottom of the story and hear about small town Ontario <laughs> and, and question Florida in the mid nineties. Uh, it, it's nice. And I think uh, a lot of flare tenders look up to you and they still continue to look up to you. And uh, I think you've made a huge impact on the industry flair and mixology well thank you thank you very much uh, you know locked in my little office in here i don't always get to see the the impact out there so hearing it from you i, I really do appreciate it and, and thanks for having me on the show i'm i'm honored uh to be among your guests and honored that i put a jacket on yes yes <laughs> thank you very much. we had to i had to beat you into it though i'm like you gotta dress up. come on man we're on tv <laughs> hey cool. brother well, you have a good day and i'll uh, touch you really soon okay you, uh, you and you for uh for tuning in and watching uh so thank you very much and i look forward to seeing you guys out online and in the funny pages
See you later, buddy. All right. Take care, man. Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.